0: comes to deliver the word to us tonight. Come on, Brother Collins. Oh, come on, church. Clap your hands tonight. Why don't we magnify the Lord together?
1: Come on. Why don't you shout like you got the victory? Why don't you shout like
0: he's already done it? Why don't you praise him like you've already got
1: your miracle? Why don't you worship him like you've already been set free? Why don't you lift up some praise? Because he's already answered your prayers. Oh, hallelujah. My God.
0: Bishop, I've got a confession to make. I partied a little too much. But I love the way we party now. My God. You'll wake up the next morning. You won't wonder what you did. You won't wonder where you were. This will strike home to some people. You won't wonder who you were with. My God. Hallelujah. Well, I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight. And I'm so under equipped. To be standing in this pulpit. I feel like tonight that I'm the third string pitcher in the bullpen. And there's so many greater men of God that are in this place than me that could do a much better job. But there's one thing, Bishop, that I don't do, and I don't back down from a fight. Because the fight is fixed. This fight is fixed in this house. This fight is so fixed. If you need somewhere to put your chips, put your chips right here in the Rock Church of Fort Myers. Because let me tell you something tonight. We're going to win. We're going to win. My God, we're going to win. If you'll just get into this church and you'll hunker down, you're going to make it to heaven. The fight is fixed. You can't lose with the stuff we use. My God, hallelujah. Amen. I'm here with a divine purpose tonight. Amen. I don't have a toothache. I don't have an injury. But I do believe we are here by a divine appointment. God's going to meet with us in this house tonight. My God. Bishop, there's not many times that a message keeps me awake. Last night... I tossed and turned, and I painfully relived some memories in my mind that I had to stir up so that I could deliver what I'm going to deliver tonight. I know you don't understand that, and hopefully with the help of the Holy Ghost, I'll be able to deliver this to you like I feel it, like God gave it to me. So I need your help tonight. Are you with me, church? Come on. God's going to take us somewhere tonight. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. I'm going to start with verse number one. I just got to say that I love my bishop. I love my, that sheer that, that should have been a little bit bigger than that. I love my man of God. Come on, come on church. I might not say everything just right. I might have a little stutter in me like Aaron, but I love my man of God. And I wish I could express it better, but I love him. I love him. I'm thankful for him and first lady brother Isaac and brother Judah we have the best first family God has given us my lord and if nobody else amends me tonight I've got a corner right over here. I'm so glad my baby's back in town. I love you Bible says that they that findeth a wife findeth a good thing and she's a precious jewel and I love her and my son Devin and my baby my baby boo, CC. she's my baby and I love her and I love all of you this is family, this is home and I'm so glad to be home tonight my, my Lord Genesis chapter 37 verse number 1 get there myself Genesis 37 verse number 1 and Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan these are the generations of Jacob Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Those boys were up to no good. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. Someone say they hated on him. They hated him. Could not speak peaceably unto him. Now my mama always told me if you don't have anything nice to say, keep your mouth shut. They just couldn't do that, Bishop. They just had to run off at that mouth. Talked ugly to him. And we all know this Sunday school story well. As it proceeds, Joseph began to have dreams. This innocent little boy, this innocent young man, didn't ask for anything. He didn't ask for any anointing. He just began to have dreams. He had on that That little cloak, that colorful cloak, it was given to him by Papa by favor, and he began to have these dreams. He didn't know what they meant out of innocence. I don't believe he had a clue, but in his innocence, he told those dreams to his brethren. He told them to his mother and his fathers, and it caused great division in that family. As time began to move on, those hateful boys were called out to lead the sheep out to pasture. And Papa called that favored son to him. He said, Joseph, won't you do me a favor, son? Won't you go check on those boys and see how it's going with them? So Joseph, I can see him in that coat. Maybe a little bag of food under his arm, he begins to skip through the hills of Israel and he kind of gets lost maybe a little bit maybe he went to a pasture where he's known that they sometimes will feed those sheep he doesn't see them and as he's looking around and he's searching a man says hey son what are you looking for he says well I'm, I'm looking for my brothers they should be right over here in this lower pasture right here feeding the sheep that's where they usually are so he said, Now nah. they, they went on down this way. Take a left. Amen. Go by the Walgreens. You're going to see a pit bull in a, a go kart. Hang a left right there. He said, All right. So he proceeds down the trail to where his brothers are. And the Bible says that they saw him as he was coming. They begin to talk again, Bishop they begin to say some things about him. In verse number 18, it says that when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Now this changed from hate to murder. They wanted to kill their little brother. They wanted to snuff him out, take his life. And they said one to another, Behold, Here comes that dreamer. Here comes that dreamer, boy. He thinks he's something. We're all going to bow down to him. We're all going to submit to him, the youngest. That's not how it works in family. The oldest is supposed to be the head of the house, but now he thinks he's something. Come now, therefore, let us slay him. Cast him into some pit. And we will say... Some evil beast hath devoured him. And we shall see what will become of his dreams. What do you think about those dreams now, Joseph? And Reuben heard it. And he delivered him out of their hands. And he said, let us not kill him. Come on, boys. And Reuben said unto them, shed no blood, but cast him into the pit that is in the wilderness, lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver him to his father again. Reuben in his integrity said, maybe if I put him in this pit, I can go back later when nobody's looking and get him out and bring him back to Papa. Amen. And it came to pass when Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. I want to read one more selection of scriptures tonight, if you will. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 14 through 28. If you have your Bibles. Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 28. They read like this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, "Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, someone say, Suffer that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingness, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting church we're waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body for we are saved by hope but not hope that is seen it's not hope for what a man seeth why doth he yet hope for but we hope for what we see not then do we with patience wait for it come on church Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Come on. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things, someone say all things, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. How many of you have a purpose tonight? Oh, come on, somebody. Hey, you don't know why you were born, but God knows why you were born. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but God knows what tomorrow holds. Hey, we don't understand why we go through some things, but God knows what we're going through. It's all for a purpose. With the help of the Holy Ghost tonight, I just want to preach for a few minutes what God has put on my heart. I want to help with the help of the Holy Ghost preach for a few moments on divine purpose. Divine purpose. If you could, please put your Bibles down in the pew. Put your phones down. And why don't we one more time lift up our hands? And why don't one more time lift up our voices like thunder? And we ask
1: God that he would have his way in this house tonight. God, I lay myself aside. I lay my flesh down tonight because, God, you've got a purpose in this house. Oh, God, there's something that you want to do in this place.
0: There's something you want to do in the lives of everybody that's in this house. And I want your perfect will to be done. Come on, one more time. Shout unto God.
1: Someone worship. Someone magnify him. Someone go ahead and glorify him. Someone go ahead and exalt him. Extol him. Lift him up.
0: Oh, hallelujah. Someone said in Jesus' name. You may be seated tonight. Now I understand tonight that all scripture is important. I remember when God began to reveal scriptures to me as a 19-year-old young man just coming to God. Amen, I was receiving a home Bible study. And as that Bible study progressed, me and my brother Evan would lay in our beds at night. I shared a bedroom with him. He was 12, I was 19. And we would lay across from each other in the room, Brother Spalazza. And we would just be reading our Bibles, and a scripture would pop up, and I would say, Evan, read this. Isn't this exciting? And out of the purity of our our hearts and in the revelation of scripture, God would unfold things to me and my little brother in that bedroom, and we would share scriptures with each other. And scripture became a very important foundation in my life, as it should in every new convert's life. And this verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, began to be like a mantra to me and my wife. This verse, I never quite understood it, and I never really understand it even now. It's sometimes I, I just I can't fathom what things mean in some seasons of my life. But I do know that, that when that scripture was revealed to me, Amen. In 1998, me and my beautiful wife, which was at that time my fiance, were in the church fellowship hall, and we were getting ready to go to a youth outing. And as we were standing in that fellowship hall preparing to, to disembark and take these kids to go have some fun, very oddly the phone that was hanging on the wall began to ring and my beautiful wife picked up that phone and she, as I looked at her, the look on her face went from answering the phone to unbelievable shock and she just turned and handed that receiver to me and on the other end of that line, Bishop, was my mother and she was sobbing and she she said, honey, Your grandfather just died of a massive heart attack. And I immediately collapsed into the floor, into a pile. And I began to sob, because that wasn't just my grandfather. That was like my daddy. He raised me from a very small child. This man was a 101st Airborne, Vietnam veteran, fought his way all the way through Vietnam. He was tougher than Chuck Norris, Sylvester Stallone, any of those other guys that that, that do their thing on the the screen with war movies and all that. This man was real, and he did it. He's got a, I've got, my mother's got his flag box, and you can't see it because of all the pins and the ribbons from this man, what he did for us, for freedom. And so, me and my fiance began to gather my things and We took a trip to to Delaware to where my grandfather lived in Seaford, Delaware, and we we made that long trip, and we get there, Bishop, and all the families gathered in, all military, all his sons were military, everybody was was invested in our freedom, and these strong men, my strong uncles were weeping, and the day before the funeral, we get a phone call, and there was a preacher on the phone that was supposed to preach his funeral and told my precious grandmother that that he couldn't do it. So I was in Bible college trying to find the will of God, and I looked right in my grandmother's eyes and said, Mama, let me do this. Let me take care of this. And she said, Yes, yes, son, go ahead. And she placed it in my hands. And God opened up the doors, and I called my pastor, and it just so happened that his roommate in Bible college was in the city next to us. And he said, I'm gonna call him, and he's gonna call you, and we're gonna get it together, and we're gonna make this happen. And so we did. And one day, we went and met with him and arranged the funeral. And me being 21, 22 years old, never said anything, never stood in a pulpit, never spoke in my life, but something inside of me said that this is something that you have to do. And so I put it together and I stood up there. My knees were shaking and my hands were shaking and the paper was quaking and I delivered my heart to my own family and I preached my grandfather's funeral. And as I came out of the doors of that little church, a man came up to me and stuck his hand out to me and says, I'm Reverend Murray and I'm the home missions pastor that's in your grandparent's city right here. Son, are you a preacher? And I said, no, sir, I'm not a preacher, and I really don't know what I am. He said, well, son, I do know this. I feel God all over you. I feel the Holy Ghost all over you. With your pastor's permission, will you come back this Easter, and will you preach in my church? And I did a big gulp, and I said, yes, sir, I sure will. If my pastor says it's okay, and so he called my pastor and he lined it up. I believe it was Easter Sunday, me and my beautiful wife, it was my wife at that point, 23, 19 years old, were in our little car. Brothers for Liza, I felt like a big shot. I was driving, didn't know what I was doing, didn't know what I was going to say. And coming through that Bay Bridge tunnel, coming down that, that last ramp into... The lower part of the state of Virginia, not paying any attention, and bam, the fuzz got me. Gave me a ticket. <laughs> I said, God, really? And God said, Yeah, really. You were speeding, son. It ain't got nothing to do with me. God's always been playing with I don't know how he is with you, but he's always been playing with me. And so I felt a little discouraged. But what I did do is I tucked myself in that hotel room. And I began to pray, and we had church in that little hotel, amen, convention center that we had church in that day. And let me tell you something. I preached everything I knew in about 10 minutes, but that didn't matter to God because we had a divine appointment. Amen. And you know what? My grandmother showed up to that service, and God touched her, and God almost filled her with the Holy Ghost. Amen. But let me tell you something. Amen. She didn't get the Holy Ghost that day, but she started coming to church. And because she started coming to church, amen, a Bible study began to be developed and and worked through her. And amen, God began to move in my family. And my grandmother died filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. God's got a purpose for you. It's a divine purpose. And I said all that to say this. Brother Murray would always Say Romans 8:28, Brother Collins. All things work together for the good. I said, Man, that's cool. It's like a coin phrase. And I would begin to when, when when I would meet somebody new and I felt like that God hooked us up, and God would hook me up with somebody that, that I always admired, and I would say, Yeah, Romans 8.28, man, God works all things to the good. Man, that's cool. But then life began as it always does, to move and take you in places that you never thought you would go. And as, as I began to, to walk out the paths of life, I begin to ask God, well, God, I'm going through something right now. This is bad. Is this really going to work out for my good? Is this really good? And I Began to think back to my childhood. Now, you guys don't know this tonight, but I'm a present. My mother had me seven days after her 16th birthday. Yeah. And so we have a very, very strange relationship. We're more like mother, well, brother and sister. And life was not easy when I was a child. And as I began my journey, at about four years old, my mother and my father, my father was in the Air Force, and he, through generational curse, began to act like his father, and he would lay hands on my mother, and he was very violent. And so at four years old, my father, my mother split ways, very violent, very tragic, I remember the night, the last night, in the violence of everything. I can still see the imagery, and I can still hear the sounds. And my mother fled, and we fled, me and my my mother and my young brother, who's two years younger than me, and we fled to Pop Pop's house. And Pop Pop sat up in his easy chair with a three fifty seven revolver, and he clicked and unclicked that hammer all night long, waiting for someone to come up and... Mess with his baby girl and her children. And that was the beginning of my life. Life goes on. And my mother raised me the best way that she knew. And I remember my mother trying her best, 16, 17. 18 years old, to raise two and then three and then four kids all by herself, a conglomeration of boyfriends and marriages. And I remember my mother doing the best she could, the first feeling I had of God. I was in about fourth grade, and we were in Delaware, and we would put together the best Sunday school clothes that we had, and we would walk down a country road, Bishop, to a little church house in the middle of the farm field in Delaware, and all there was there was about six, they looked like they were about a 100 years and up, elderly people in this little church house, and they were having church, and me and my brother and our ragtag brothers and sisters would come in there, four of us, and we would make all kinds of noise and disturb that place, but those people sat down with us, and we felt the love of God there, and that's the first time that I ever felt God's hand in my life. And I was so thankful to know that there was a God. But I didn't understand why life continued to unfold like it did. My mother got remarried, and that marriage began to crumble, and we went from home to home. Brother Sperlaza, I remember I went to two different elementary, I went to two different kindergartens, a different first grade, a different second grade, a different third grade, a different fourth grade. Went to two different fifth grade schools. I went to a different sixth grade, a different seventh grade, a different eighth grade. And that's how my life was. We moved from place to place like nomads. I remember the second time that I ever felt like God loved me. And my mother was trying the best thing that she could. And there was a a yellow bus that would come by our house. We lived outside of D.C., and Brother Murphy, I'll never forget him, would jump off that bus and round us up, me and my brother. We'd have probably two different colored socks on if we had socks on at all, the best church clothes that we could rustle together. And he'd put us up on that bus, and we'd go to church. And that church was so awesome to us, they had a platform about as big as this one. They'd have puppets. And those puppets, man, they had this thing down. And they would sing, anybody know the song, Father Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right foot, left foot. And and, and we would begin, I began to feel something that I had never felt, Bishop, but I know what it is now. It was the Holy Ghost and the kids the kids would be jumping around, and we'd, we'd feel the presence of God, and we'd knock all the chairs down. And, they'd, and, and those people, I'm not going to call out what denomination, but they got scared. And they'd say, whoa, 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 calm down. Y'all are getting a little out of hand. It was just a good Pentecostal church. That's all it was. They just didn't know it. But they would straighten all the chairs back up. And they said, if you be real good and you sit real still and you pay attention, this was when Star Wars first came out. I'm being a little carnal, but, but we got this box of peanut butter C-3PO Star Wars cookies, and if you're good, we recognize you. We'll give you that box of cookies, and Bishop, I really love some Star Wars. I really love some C-3PO, and I'm, let me tell you something. I really love some peanut butter cookies. So I sat there, and I didn't move. That was church. You can laugh, but man, I wanted those cookies. And so I sat there. Just as still as I could. Man, them puppets are up there, and they're talking in different voices, and they're cracking jokes, and I'm just, man, I'm like a petrified log. (laughs) But you know what? With divine help, I got those cookies at service. And I don't know why I'm so proud that I sat so still, but it's because God was moving in me. There was something inside of me. Was, it had to be the Holy Ghost. I didn't have it yet, but God was all over me. And he said, son, I know you don't understand, and I know you don't understand why you're going through all the things that you're going through. I know you don't understand why there's so much violence around you. I know you don't understand why you, your family has to move so much. And I know you don't understand why the things that you're going through,
1: but I've got a divine purpose for you. And
0: so, as time moves on, I remember, Bishop, my, wife, my mother one time took us to a party, and this is what we did. It wasn't this kind of party that we're having tonight, but she took us to this drug party, me and my, me and my young son. Now, now, you're wondering why I'm telling all this. I'm gonna, this is going to help somebody tonight. This is all for a reason tonight. I've never given my testimony before, but I'm going to do it tonight. Amen. My mother took me to that drug party, Bishop. I was nine years old, and my brother was seven years old. And my, my mother was upstairs with, with the crew, and they were playing spades, and man, it looked like Cheech and Chong up in there, and, and we didn't go upstairs. So we stayed down in the basement, and Man, they had every GI Joe figure, they had every G.I. Joe vehicle, they had, they had the, the aircraft carrier, they had all the they had all the vehicles, they had all the men. And but we could, we could, we knew what they were doing up there. We knew what they were doing. And Matthew or Elijah, one of the other two boys that was at that, there, there was their parents' house, one of them turned around and opened up the refrigerator, and inside that refrigerator, Bishop, was packed full of bush beer. And they Someone grabbed a book bag, and they loaded up that book, book bag with cans of bush beer. And us four small boys, I think Matthew was maybe 10 or 11. And I was nine. His brother was a year younger, and my, my brother was seven. And we put that book bag on our backs, and we began to walk down the road in the middle of the night drinking beer. The first time that I got drunk was at nine years old. And we came back to that house, and the ruckus was wild and they were having fun and they were laughing and cutting up. And us boys walked into that house, Brother Svalaza, and we were drunk and we were staggering around and they just laughed at us and said, Ah, that's so cute. And so they ushered us down into a camper down by the river and Matthew and Elijah's mother stayed up with us all night long to make sure we didn't go out in the river and drown. And that pretty much epitomizes what my childhood was. And as the years began to move on, I remember my mother hitting rock bottom, just about rock bottom. And I was probably 11 or 12 years old. And we had to move it into an apartment in inner DC. And it was rough. Talking about three story buildings with the With the glass that had mesh in it and went up all three stories, you could watch somebody walk up the stairwell. And if you watched them walk up the stairwell, you could see the connect the dots of bullet holes because people would shoot at people as they ran up the stairs. They had an armed guard that that manned the the guard shack to keep the drug dealers separated to to keep the different gang members from, from mixing up and having shootouts. And that's where we were living and my, my mother fell in love with that guard in that guard shack, and they began to have a relationship. And in that relationship, there was ultraviolence, ultraviolence. And I remember as a 12- and 13-year-old boy, my little stepbrother, his older brother, Petey, was about 19 years old, And we were in the basement one time and he grabbed him by his neck and I heard every vertebrae in his neck pop and he picked him up off the ground and began to choke the life out of him. And I jumped on his back and I said, I I just screamed and hit as hard as I could. He didn't let go and his father came down and got him off of him. And that's what I lived in. And that was my life. From nine years old, now I'm 13 or 14, drinking 40 ounces of malt liquor at 12 and 13, sitting on the steps after school. Didn't know what I was doing. Just going with the flow. Just doing what I knew to do. But my mother knew, and she began to reach out to God. And as that relationship became more and more violent, she knew that she had to get out of there. And so, at around... 18 years old, I moved out because of the sheer violence and I was living with my friends. And Bishop, at 18 years old, we were driving in and out of D.C., just just a 10-minute little ride, and we were buying as many drugs as we we could get away with. And I was living a reckless life. For probably two years, I was high every single day. I can't remember a day that I wasn't, but I do know this, One time we were at a drug party, and I was sitting there with the boys, and I began to feel really sick, and I began to feel my body shutting down. And so I got up from that table, and I staggered, and I went outside, and I fell into the bushes, and I laid there for about 30 or 40 minutes, and I got myself up, and I laid out, got into the house and laid out on the couch, and I laid down on that couch, and I could feel my body strategically shutting down. And I said, God, I don't know what's going on, but I know I don't wanna die, and I know that you love me. If you will just let me live, I promise you that I will find you. I promise you that I will find you, and I promise you that I will love you and I will serve you. And God let me live that night because he knew that I had a purpose. He knew that I had a purpose. And so my mother, within just a few months of that, called me and said, hey, we have to get out of here. I'm remarrying, and I'm moving to Maryland, and I'm getting back together with my old high school sweetheart, and we're gonna get married. I hadn't lived with my mom for about a year, and she said, you gotta come with us. She knew that I was headed for death and destruction. So with my homeboys not at the house, they were all gone. I took everything that I had and I laid out my comforter on the ground and I put everything into it and I gathered up all four corners and I threw that comforter over my back and I walked away from that life and I said, I can't do this anymore, I've gotta do something different and my mother picked me up. This is divine, this is divine purpose and she moved us to Maryland and i began to feel god moving in my life but i still didn't have a direction and who now is my father my mother married said we've got to get him some help and so they began to take me to church and bishop i tried i tried to go to that church and i tried to do to live for god i tried to feel god but i didn't feel anything and so I began to do drugs even more. It was it was even worse. Every single day, overdosing, every single day. And my mother was like, He's gonna die. We have to do something for him. We have to do something to save him. And God began to move. And my father, my now father, got a promotion. And we moved to Raleigh, North Carolina in 1995. August of 95, I had just graduated high school, and we went to North Carolina, and my mother once again said, we've got to find a church, so we did, we found a church. We went to that church, and that church was doing the best they could, and it just, it just wasn't it. It was just a little country church, and I said to myself, and I told my mother, I said, Mom! If this is what church is all about and if this is what God's all about, I don't want anything to do with it. I'm done with God. I'm done with the church. And I'm done living this life. I'm going to kill myself. I'm done. I can't live like this anymore. And so my mother said, well, let's, son, let's just try one more church. And so we did. Bishop, we found a church with some soul. Because if you rewind the tape, just a few months before we moved, we went to this little church outside of D.C. And this church was a little more charismatic. And the, the preacher, and they they did they played music, and we were getting with it, and we were dancing. I'd never been in a church like that. And the preacher got with it. He was preaching about joy. And, man, I was crying, and I was jumping. And my dad, my stepdad was looking at me, and he was crying. He said, man, this is it. We're going to make a breakthrough. And we felt it, and we went to the front. They called us to the front, and we cried and weeped. And then they shut it down, and they pushed us into a back room and said, if you sign this little card, you're going to make it to heaven. And I said, man, I went out in the parking lot, had sh- jean shorts on and a dress shirt, and lit up a cigarette and said, if this, is, if this is God, I'm lost. But God knew where I was at. God knew exactly where I was at. We went to that little church in Raleigh, and it was popping, and it was, it was jumping. The preacher was preaching, and it sounded good. And I was like, this is what I'm looking for. This is God. This is the spirit of God. This is what I need. And they were like, yeah, well, you might feel a little better at the church across the street. And I was like, wow, I'd never never encountered that before. But it was God's divine appointment. The next Sunday, we stepped into 2312 Lake Wheeler Road, First Pentecostal Church of Raleigh, North Carolina, Pastor Wayne Huntley. And we walked into that place. And that place was rocking, and I could feel the Spirit of God. And I was like, you know what? This is it right here. Hey, but you know what? I was from D.C., and it was Western Roundup Sunday. Everybody had cowboy hats on. They had big belt buckles. And I said, "Whoa, no. This ain't it. But you know what? It was different. I couldn't deny what I felt in that church that night or that day. They had a little dinner on the grounds, and so we went to that dinner on the grounds, and man, there was so much food, and I, I didn't know anything about Pentecost. I didn't know Pentecost was, was 50% spirit and 50% eating, and I was like, man, I really like this. And so we were at that dinner on the grounds, and they were pigging out, and, and some brother came up to me and said, hey, how did you like that church service? And I said, well, you know, I see your cowboy hat, and I see your belt buckle and your cowboy boots, and I said, man, that just ain't for me. He said, yeah, you know what? You know, it ain't all about all that. That's, we, it, ain't, it ain't really like that. Why don't you come back tonight and come to church, and it's going to be a little bit different. <laughs> oh, my Lord. I went back to church that night, and the Spirit of God began to move, and the Spirit of God began to work on me. And I began to feel the Holy Ghost, and I said, Lord, what is this? And God began to change me, and God began to, to move on me. And I, I felt God all over me, and I said, "Ah!" Hey! I finally found what I'm looking for. And it was on October the 8th of 1995 that God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I was baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, what a feeling. But all that pain. In my childhood, and all of the violence, and all of the circumstances in life that I didn't understand. It goes back to Romans 8 and 28. All things work together for the good. Amen. That brother JJ was come. The life of Joseph. He didn't understand why he was going through everything he was going through. Joseph didn't understand why everything was happening to him. He was an innocent young man. Amen. And all the events from his life the childhood trauma, even through his adult life, the misery, amen, and the happenstances of life, they set him up for a divine purpose from the pit to the auction block from Potiphar's house to the prison, Joseph could have screamed and shook his fist at God and said, why God, all this pain? And why God, all this suffering? And I can hear Paul's voice echoing down through the space of time saying, don't worry about it, Joseph. You don't see why now, but famine's coming and your family is gonna need a savior amen everything was for a divine purpose Hallelujah come on church you may feel like all of your life and the circumstances and everything that you're going through and then everything that was out of your control in your childhood they've set you up amen for a depth of anointing that can only be obtained by living and striving and thriving in all the mess. That you waited through to get to this platform of life that God Almighty, all knowing, and all powerful has set you up for. You have a divine purpose. The prophet Jeremiah said it like this in Jeremiah 29 and 11. He said, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you. An expected end. The prophet Jeremiah wrote this in a letter to God's people. He said, in spite of your bondage, you're going to build homes. You're going to build godly relationships. You're going to have families and children. Seek peace. Even in spite of false prophets and preachers and leadership that operate in the flesh, he's even going to take care of all of that. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. I'm here to declare to someone tonight that your life is not a mess, it's a message. Your life is not a mess, it's a message. Your life was not a waste. Of life with years filled with trauma violence and despair to end in isolation and suicide it's a masterpiece of mercy to give you a testimony to all that hear it that they too can make it all the way I don't know and you can't count how many times I've wondered and asked God God why is this happening to me Why is my family suffering? Why are we going through all these tragedies, Brother Stewart? Why are we walking these roads of desolation and destruction? Oh, but God with his steady hand of guidance and his soft, tender voice of wisdom, love, and mercy keeps speaking these words to me. He says, child... It's going to be okay. Just keep trusting in me. Keep on walking with me. Don't listen to the lies of the devil or any false prophets. They don't know my thoughts towards you. They are thoughts of peace, not of evil. They don't control your destiny, for I have mapped out your destination, and you will be none of others than the divine purpose for you. God's got a purpose for every one of us in this place tonight. God's got a divine purpose for your life. You don't know why you went through all the sorrow that you went through. You don't know why you suffered all the violence that you suffered. You don't know why that you suffered all the tragedy that you suffered. But God's got a divine purpose. Amen. Your life is not a mess. Your life is a message. Your life is a message. There's a divine purpose for every one of us that's in this place tonight. All the pain, all the suffering, all the tragedy, so that you can witness, amen, the goodness of God, so that you can witness the love of God to someone else, and so that your light can shine. Amen, in a dark, dark world. Hey, nobody has a testimony like I have a testimony. Nobody's been through what I've been through. Amen, but I can share with them, even in spite of all that you've been through, even in spite of all that you've suffered, and all that life has brought to you, there's hope. There's hope in the Holy Ghost. There's hope in salvation. Hey, there's hope in the church. Amen, there's a place you can go. Amen, there's someone that you can lean on. Amen. You've got a divine purpose. Joseph, I know you didn't understand it, son. I know you didn't understand it, but the treason, the pit, and the prison, it all had a purpose. David, all the mistakes that you made, all the family trauma, the violence of war, Rebellion and betrayal, I know it hurts, son, but I had a divine purpose for you. Hey, Ruth, you suffered not only famine, but you lost your father-in-law. You lost your husband. Amen. You lost your nationality, but God's got a purpose for you. Amen. In spite of all your suffering, amen, in spite of all that you've been through, amen, you keep walking the path because God's going to insert your lineage right into the line of Jesus Christ. Hey, don't be afraid to walk the road. Don't be afraid to live for God in spite of everything because God's got a divine purpose for you. So why do we suffer? Amen. because this world needs a testimony. This world needs a light. Hey, Ben, the Bible says that we're a light that shineth on the hill that can't be hid. You know what? If you can't shine in this darkness, come on, church, if you can't shine in this darkness, amen, if you can't go to a restaurant in spite of what you're going through and you can't shed a little light in that restaurant, amen, to a waitress that's going through hell, amen, she's got children and she doesn't have a a father for those children and she's living a wrecked life and she doesn't have any money and she doesn't have anywhere to go, but she needs a church. You need someone to step in there with a divine purpose. Oh, come on. There's people under the sound of my voice tonight. Amen. You're faithful saints in this church. Amen. And you're going through hell on earth. Amen. And things just aren't working like they should. Amen. And things aren't unfolding like you think they should. And amen. You're living paycheck to paycheck. And then things are happening. And things just don't seem to be going right. Just know this tonight. That God's got a divine purpose. Hey, I'm not worried about the outcome. I'm worried about the income. I'm worried about the up-go. I know God's got a purpose for me. God's got a purpose for me. And it's a divine purpose. I wonder if there's anyone in this place tonight, amen, that feels like I can't take it anymore. This is too heavy for me. I feel like I'm going to buckle Hey, man, don't buckle. Come down to this front tonight. Come on down to this front tonight and lift up your hands. Hey, man, you know what? The Holy Ghost is going to give you strength tonight. The Holy Ghost is going to give you unction tonight. The Holy Ghost is going to give you, amen, a brand new fresh anointing tonight. Hey, let me tell you something. It's not a road that I haven't hardly walked down. I'm not wishing any more ill on my life, but I do know this. Amen. No matter what I'm going through, I've got to keep on walking. i got to keep on stepping because it's not about the circumstance. It's not about what I'm going through. It's not about what's being afflicted on me. It's about the divine purpose that's in my life. It's about how God can use me. Amen. To reach out to another soul. Your life is not a tragedy. It's not a mess. You have a purpose. You have a divine purpose tonight. I want us all to lift our hands right now. Amen. There's people in this place right now under the sound of my voice. In the last year, you've had more questions than answers, you've had more suffering, you've had more setbacks. But God wants you to know tonight, amen, that your life is not a mess. Your life is a message. Child of God, mother, father, young person, lift your head up. Your life is not a mess. It's a message. Amen. It's a message of mercy. It's a message of grace. It's a message of God's love. Amen. It's our mandate from God to reach out to as many souls in Fort Myers and Lee County as we possibly can. But we can't do that hanging our head. We can't do that with our lips down and our heads tucked. We gotta do it, amen, with the joy of the Lord in our hearts. We've gotta do it with the Holy Ghost smile on our face. We've gotta do it with anointing that only God can give. Amen. We've gotta reach.
1: We've gotta minister. Amen, we've gotta lay hands. We've gotta pray. We've gotta knock doors. We've gotta teach Bible studies. We've got to reach the lost at any cost because that is our divine purpose. That is our divine purpose. Oh, come on. Worship the Lord right now. Well, hallelujah.
0: Why don't we lift up our hands right now? Why don't we lift our hands up to heaven and say, God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I do know that you're real
1: that you're an ever present help and I'll do whatever I gotta do I'll suffer whatever I gotta suffer but amen the rapture could take place tomorrow and I need to move with the divine purpose I need God to move through me I've gotta reach the lost I've gotta reach the lost come on it in the atmosphere. Somebody's laying aside. Someone's laying aside that burden. Someone's laying aside that sorrow. You're laying aside that
0: depression. You're laying aside those questions. And you're saying, I don't care. I don't care what it takes. I'm gonna have divine purpose. I'm gonna have divine purpose. Hey, your family needs you. Your neighbors need you. Hey, that waitress needs you. Hey,
1: those workmates need you. How are they going to see the love of God unless you have a divine purpose? Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, lift up that voice and say, God,
0: I need you to use me. I need to use me. I need you to use me in spite of the mess. I need you to lose me in spite of the tragedy. That's it, church. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. We need to push tonight. I'm going to say this before I put this microphone down. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I am, but I'm not, but I am, but I'm not. But I am, but I'm not. And I know this probably wasn't the most polished message you've ever heard. But let me say this. We are so close to the coming of God. Bishop, it scares me. It scares me. But it doesn't. But it does, but it doesn't. Because I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I get tired. And me and my wife will be riding in the car. and, And I'll say, baby, in the tiredness of my flesh, if the Lord comes back in 30 minutes, come on. This is getting tough. Judah, this is getting hard. I'm tired of fighting through the mess, brothers Pralaza. Sometimes you just get tired. You just get tired of fighting. But you know what? That's selfish. That's selfish. We are the church. We are the church of the living God. And it is our divine mandate to fight this fight every step of the way. Amen. Every day we need to be passing out the will of God in our lives. There's people in this city, there's people in this county that are waking up every day and they're lost and they're betting on a bet that I'm going to get out of bed, Bishop. And I'm going to fight the fight for them. We don't have time to play around. We don't have time for bad church. We don't have time for weak worship. We need to work right now with every ounce that's inside of us, amen, because we are the church. There's no other church like this church. This church, amen, has the truth. This church brings the mercy and the love of God to this city day in, day out. I don't need to come to this place and lift up my hands with half-baked prayers. With half hearted worship. Amen. Because we've got a divine purpose tonight. Come on, somebody, raise up your hands tonight. Hey, don't think that you're insignificant. Don't think that God's not using you. There's people with eyes on you every day, there's people that are watching you. Amen. You might not think that your light is very bright. Hey, but in a world this dark, every ounce of light that you're shining is a beacon of hope. Every ounce of light that you're letting off, amen, is like a mighty lighthouse to someone that's near you, to someone that's lost, someone that's dying and going to hell. How don't we all lift up our hands tonight and say, God, I surrender to you.
1: I surrender to you. I surrender to my divine purpose. I'm not a nobody. I'm a somebody. I'm not a nothing. I'm a something. I'm a child of the Jesus. Someone needs to open your eyes. we it.
0: prompted me to say this. When I'm done saying what I'm going to say, we need to have a response. Amen. In the military, they do cadences, and they march in step, and there's a call and there's a response. I'm going to say something tonight, and it's going to be the step. It's going to be the call. But we need to have a response tonight. I'm going to... Be very, very transparent and vulnerable tonight. I have a lot of insecurities in me. I have deep insecurities in me. Because I know me. Brother Sperlaza, I know me. I know what I'm lacking, Bishop. I know where I fall short. But this is what the Lord just prompted me to say tonight. In spite of your inadequacies, In spite of your insecurities, in spite of your weaknesses, in spite of your lack in skill, talent, and whatever. Tonight, Rock Church, we need to lay all of that aside. We need to lay all of that aside. And this is what I want us to do right now. Everyone in the sound of my voice, if you're able, I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to lift up your hands. Everyone in the sound of my voice, lift up your hands. This is what it's gonna take to win this city right now in the time period that we're living in because God is coming very soon. In spite of your insecurities, we all have insecurities. None of us are fully equipped and none of us are so secure that we think that there's nothing that we can't do but in spite of all of that listen to me church we need to tonight we need to get a boldness in us we need to get a boldness in our spirits that only God can give us a boldness that
1: says in spite of what I lack God can use me for end time revival oh come on Lift up your hands tonight. I want us all
0: to let out a shout. I want you to lift your voice like you haven't lifted your
1: voice. Come on, right now, in the name of Jesus. God, give me a boldness that the devil can't stop, that the world can't stop. I'm I'm going to wait on you, come on, God give me a boldness, give me a boldness to to reach this city, give me a boldness to cast out devils, give me a boldness to preach, give me a boldness to lay hands, give me a boldness to witness. (laughs) Get <laughs> <laughs>